Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Thursday, November 5th, and we still don't have a definitive winner in the presidential race. We're expecting some final vote counts that should decide the race today. But former Vice President Biden appears close to victory. I'm not here to declare that we've won. But I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. Here's what else we're talking about today. While the country is focused on the presidential race, a lot has been happening down the ballot. But first, President Trump's election lawsuit strategy is today's one big thing. It's all coming down to the battleground states. Yesterday, Joe Biden won Wisconsin and Michigan, both states Trump won in 2016. Georgia remains too close to call. But these were among the states where Trump filed lawsuits to challenge the vote. How successful are these suits likely to be? Noah Feldman is a Harvard Law professor. He hosts the Deep Background podcast with our partners at Pushkin Industries. Hey, Noah, welcome back. Hey, Nyla, nice to be here in this crazy, crazy time. And we're in the scenarios, Noah, that we just talked about. It was just a couple of days ago. Does it appear to you that the Trump campaign is taking sort of the state-by-state lawsuit approach? No, it appears to me that they're desperate and flailing. These lawsuits, if you read the complaints, are ill-reasoned. They're not well made out from a standard legal perspective. I think they're really drawing at straws. Well, that was what I was just going to ask was how you differentiate between are these lawsuits that are designed to create a climate of doubt and uncertainty or are these lawsuits about real facts and issues that need to be resolved? The former, because these are not the kind of lawsuits that you use to win an election. They're not the kinds of lawsuits that are going to strip away votes from Joe Biden. And they're also not the kind of lawsuits that would even freeze the counting in those handful of places where the Trump people are saying that they want the courts to freeze the counting. These are really throw everything against the wall and hope that it sticks. And so my interpretation, therefore, is that these are part of a general Trumpian agenda of trying to call into question the legitimacy of the election in the political realm, not actually winning the election in the courts the way that, say, Jim Baker working for George W. Bush won the 2000 election in front of the Supreme Court. From a legal standpoint, how much of the legal case that President Trump is trying to make is complicated by what he said on election night or this election morning late speech where he basically said, I won? I wrote a column in Bloomberg saying, bottom line, no matter what case goes to the Supreme Court, Trump has really harmed himself by saying, I've already won the election. The swing justices who believe it or not, are Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Those swing justices would not want to give the election to Trump without some clear cover that enabled them to say that there was a fundamental issue of fairness. And Trump basically took that away from them. He basically said, I'm going to the Supreme Court because I've already won and everyone knows he hasn't won. And those swing justices, they know he hasn't won. And so not for the first time, Trump's own comments are the kind of things that his own lawyers are sitting there punching themselves in the face when they hear. What to you is the most likely outcome in particular of this actually going to the Supreme Court? If it doesn't come down to Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court is going to avoid, like the plague, actually taking a case and taking a stand. So you might have a scenario where the court says, we'll hear the case, and then they drop the case if it doesn't become significant enough. So the odds are against the court engaging because the odds are against it all coming down to Pennsylvania. If it does come down to Pennsylvania, you get a much higher probability that the court will consider a case. 
And what about all these other lawsuits? What about Georgia, Michigan, perhaps Wisconsin, maybe other places? When you do a deep dive into those lawsuits, i.e. actually read the filings, they're pretty trivial. So the Michigan case claims that they have to stop counting the vote because Republicans haven't seen videotape of the ballot boxes that were specially set up. And presumably this video would contain a picture of a box just sitting there. And every so often people would come in and drop something in the box. I mean, the video is utterly useless. And these are not grounds for getting a reversal. The Georgia case is an allegation that one election observer claims to have seen one ballot worker take a ballot, a single ballot from the wrong pile. I don't have any idea if that happened or not, but even if it did happen, it's not a ground for overturning a presidential election. The Wisconsin case, it's not even clear they filed it. I I desperately searched the web and couldn't actually find the papers. So it seems to me that none of these cases, when you really dig into them, has anything like the kind of legs that would make a difference in the outcome. Noah Feldman is a constitutional law professor at Harvard and host of the Deep Background podcast. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the results of other races you might have missed. Welcome back to Axios Today. While the country has had all eyes on the race to the White House, a lot has also happened down the ballot. Both the House and Senate and state houses are seeing some landmark wins. Here with me now is Jessica Taylor, the Senate and governor's editor for the Cook Political Report. Jessica, you all were predicting a lot of Democratic wins in the Senate. What do you think happened? Uh, None of them happened is what happened. I mean, we had 12 Republican-held seats that we rated as competitive versus just two for Democrats. Two races that we did rate as lean Democrat were Colorado and Arizona. So those are the two that Democrats were able to flip. So with former Governor John Hickenlooper in Colorado beating Republican Senator Cory Gardner and then Democrat Mark Kelly beating Republican Senator Martha McSally. We expected Republicans to flip a seat, though, in Alabama, where Doug Jones lost to former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville. So that leaves them with a net of one. But they needed a net of three to get to just 50 if Biden wins. We had seven races that we rated as toss-ups. We're still waiting to see what happens in Georgia, but all of them have gone Republicans' way. So it was just a major night for Republicans. And a major night for Republican women. We had a record number of Republican women who ran for Congress, 12 one-house seats. What do you think this says about how the GOP is changing when it comes to gender diversity? Republicans really did make major outreach efforts, especially in the House, I know. I think they did realize that there is a tendency of their party to be a party of old white men. And they really did recruit strong candidates in these places. We see women being elected for the first time in South Carolina, in Tennessee to seats, in Iowa. Talking with Republican strategists last week, they expected that Republican women in the Senate also could be that Trump was going to cost them their careers. And you have Susan Collins that hung on against many odds. And you have Joni Ernst that hung on in Iowa. Speaking of diversity, we also saw the first openly gay black man elected to serve in Congress. Several openly transgender state senators that are firsts for Delaware and Vermont the youngest member elected in the GOP, a 25-year-old. How much does this reflect Congress and state houses catching up to what the country looks like? 
I mean, it's still far behind. Women make up a majority of the country are still not anywhere near parity. LGBTQ individuals, people of color are just still woefully underrepresented. So, I mean, I think that any step forward is good, certainly. We still have a Congress that does not reflect America. Jessica Taylor is a Senate and governor's editor at the Cook Political Report. Thanks, Jessica. Absolutely. Thank you. If you're new to the show, hit subscribe on your podcast app so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. Let us know what you thought of our special election coverage. And there'll be more on the election on our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.